Welcome to SlayerFest 98. We are live here at WeedonCon, and I am with an iconic Buffy actor who has played about a thousand characters. <laughs> Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Camden Toy. So with anyone the first time they're on the podcast, I like them to tell me their Buffy origin. What was your origin? How did you try out for the show? How did, you, how did that all go? Well, uh, I got a call from my agent uh, back in season four uh, for Hush, and uh, this was uh, uh, kind of unusual because they, they, they called and said, hi, Buffy the Vampire Slayer wants to see you tonight at six o'clock. And almost always there's, you know, they usually tell you next day or you have right. two days to prepare, they send you a script, you get a chance <laughs> to look at it. And I'm like, tonight? Wait, 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 what about a script? And they were like, there's no script, just go. So I, I go and... Um, they don't have a script yet because Joss is still writing the script. Okay. Because, um, you know, he's really busy. He's, like, writing and directing that episode. Plus, he just launched Angel. So you got to right. know he's, yeah. like, not getting any sleep, you know. It's right. crazy. <laughs> so um, so they, they, they uh, so auditioning for The Gentleman, but it wasn't called The Gentleman yet. It was called The Laughing Man. Oh, okay. But, but Lonnie Hammerman, the, the casting director, was like, okay, everybody, we're going to change that because there's no dialogue. There's no laughing. There's no sound. Oh, you knew there was, it was no. She be... said she told. Oh, us. Okay, she told us. She said there's, so. We're that's gonna be, that doesn't. We, we're gonna change that. We don't know what it's gonna be. We we put laughing because they're very they're smiling. Right. Yeah. 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 So it was like oh, okay. So they said uh, okay. So it's gonna be an uh, it's gonna be an improv. You're gonna float in. <laughs> you're gonna take out a scalpel from your uh, doctor bag. You're gonna cut this young man's heart out, and then you're gonna float back out again. <laughs> I go. Oh, oh, okay. You're like, sure, okay. Float. I have to float. Okay. So I, uh, you know, having a, a very strong physical background, um, I approximated floating. So okay. I was that sort of illusion of floating in. Okay. And I was smiling. <laughs> cut the heart out. And I floated back Oh out. my God, you just did the smile to me. And I'm like, oh, yep, that's a smile. <laughs> and, well, and, jo and Josh had that same reaction. He literally was like, oh, oh. He kind of like turned away. And kind of like covered his eyes and was like sort of waved me away and was like <laughs> was like uh, okay thank you uh, great thank you I I'm gonna have nightmares now thank you you know and um, I thought well I either had the job or he thinks I'm a total psycho <laughs> or as James Leary said or both <laughs> yeah so and then I got the call the next day that I got the job cool so, yeah that's pretty cool what was yeah. it what was it like doing did you guys kind of know that episode is gonna be a really big deal well we knew it was gonna be unusual. Um, and it certainly felt very special, particularly, I think, because it was so unusual. It's no dialogue. Right. Um, it's n nobody ever done that. So we knew it was going to be very special. We just didn't know how big it was going to be. I right. mean, we had sort of a sense of it, but I don't think anybody fully, fully knew just how big. I mean, um, to give you an example, I mean, just a number of years ago, TV Guide was rating their five top boogeymen of all time. And number three is a photograph of me and uh, uh, of me and uh, Doug Jones, and it says the gentleman from Hush. That's so number cool. Number three, the top five <laughs> boogeymen of all time. So, That's really cool. Yeah, pretty wild. <laughs> so, what would you say the gentleman would be your favorite? What would be your favorite that you played? Um, that was certainly my favorite episode, but I would say my favorite character I played was was Gnarl in season seven. I was thinking that might be your favorite. So I feel like yeah. you had more to do. I had. Oh my god! It was such. A maniacal, wonderful, delicious, pardon the pun, character, or as, or as I always like to see. There's a lot of meat to sink my teeth into that, that character. 
That's yeah. good. <laughs> um, so with those characters, did they have you? Did they ask you to come back for those roles? Did you have to audition? Oh, or? I see what you're saying. Well, yeah, actually, that that is an interesting that's an interesting question because usually once you've done the show or a show, they feel embarrassed about asking you to audition again. Okay, yeah. And when they called me for Narl, they were apologetic okay. because we know you already did the show, but we don't know what you do verbally. Right, so so different. A verbal character. They said, would you mind auditioning for it? I mean, they asked me right out. I mean, they they, they, they were feeling it out. Yeah. Because, I mean, some actors were like, what are you talking about? I've already, <laughs> I've already worked on the show. You already know what I do. But I totally understood what she was saying. Yeah. Uh, when she called, it was like, of course I totally understand. I mean, you don't know what I could do on with, right. with a verbal, totally different kind of character. So I'd be happy to come in and audition yeah. for that. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and with the Uber vamp, I know there was a lot of stunts. Did you? Was it mostly a stunt double with any of the fighting? Uh, it was both. I, I did have a stunt double, uh, Ryan Watson, who is this amazing stunt uh, stunt actor, and also now he's a stunt coordinator. He, he was one of the stunt coordinators on, on the Wonder Woman. Um, oh, cool! Film. Yeah, cool. he's amazing, amazing guy, incredible martial artist. So he did a lot of my stunts, but I had to learn all the choreography. Um, uh, John Medlin, the stunt coordinator, and, and Ryan and I would get together and we would choreograph the scenes. And they allowed me a lot of input into okay. how this creature moved and fought. Because, you know, how a, a, you know, a character fights and moves says a lot about who they are. Right, yeah. So the fact that they allowed me, the actor, to put a lot of input into that was, was really very special. Well, I do feel like on Buffy they kind of know that. Because even with Buffy and Faith, they mm -hmm. fight very differently mm -hmm. yes um, and with the podcast like discussing things like that I've noticed yeah it's like every demon fights differently yeah. every slayer fights differently yeah. Um, yeah. which I guess is a credit to the stunt coordinators they knew yeah. that yeah. that was the thing um, what was it like on the live the day of the last episode uh, I wasn't on the last oh episode. you weren't one of the uber vamps no I was the very very first uber vamp oh show. okay I had, like four episodes as the, uh, which was a recurring role but no when, once they killed me once Buffy takes my head off with some barbed wire, <laughs> they decided, they said, no, since this is the army of Blue Vans, they decided to keep that separate. So, because I was, I was expecting to be called back as well. Right, yeah. And they were like, no, we really think we got to keep that separate. So, and I understood. All right, that's fair. That's yeah, fair. Yeah. <laughs> so, what can you tell us? What was like a crazy behind the scenes moment? Crazy behind the scenes moment. Um, one night, as the Uber map were shooting, and we were shooting really late nights, and uh, it was a really, really late night, and they were bringing in the third meal of the day. I mean, it was so, to give you an example of how long we yeah. were shooting. And Sarah comes over to me and says, uh, excuse me, you know, they just brought the third meal in, and it's, it's over by the craft service. And I said, well, you know, I'm just about to shoot this, this shot, and I got right. the teeth in, I got the hands and the, the big claws, and I, I can't right. really eat right now. And she, I, so I have to do it later. And she goes, no! If we don't get you that food now, it'll be gone. You know, so they're like vultures. They'll, they'll eat all that food. I know. And so she literally grabs me by the hand, pulls me over there, and she grabs a plate and starts serving me dinner. And she's like, what do you want? You want a leg? You want a thigh? What do you, what do you want? A breast? What do you, you know? so I'm like, oh, okay, I'll have the leg and the thigh. Okay, let's see. And it's, it's just like all the different fixings. And then she like, okay, we have to hide this somewhere so you can have it after you and I'm so like, good. And I'm like... The star of the show is serving you serving dinner. Serving you dinner. Oh, my God. And I, and she was very much like that. She was like, and I mean this in, in the best possible way, she was kind of like the Jewish mother of the set in that she was always she was always concerned, are you comfortable? Are you are you okay? Do you, have you had enough to eat? Have you, are, you, are, you, are you doing okay? Yeah. She was, she was very concerned about our, our well-being and our safety. I mean, there was a, uh, when I was shooting the Gnarl episode, um, 
a stunt went a little awry and they thought I had gotten injured. Mm. And she was so freaked out, she went up to the producer's office and like read them the riot act. She was like, you get your asses down there. Camden's gotten hurt. You gotta, and she, she was scared for me. I mean, she was, you know. You know, it's funny. I've, everyone that I've talked to from the show kind of says she was always like professional as yeah, hell. And yeah. like, yeah. she always came knowing everything and also made sure oh everything. God. Yeah, she learned her lines. And occasionally when they would change something, she would learn it so quickly. They would jokingly say, what took you so long? <laughs> <laughs> Which is crazy. Yeah, yeah. I think James yeah. Meister said that there was yeah. never a moment when she didn't know no. all of her lines. No, no, she was, she was a pro. I have trouble remembering things I even said on this podcast, <laughs> like, and I'm the one saying them. <laughs> but so tell me about what's, what's been your favorite project you've worked on just in general? Oh, gosh. Um... Well, I worked, um, I lived in New York for many years, and I worked with the Tiny Mythic Theater Company uh, on a production uh, of uh, Nathaniel Hawthorne's The Scarlet Letter. Okay. And that was an amazing experience. It was many years ago. Uh, Rachel True oh, cool. was, was part, cool. part of the was part of the cast. Cool. This before she had gotten uh, Oh, half before half that? And, uh, yeah, <laughs> before that. And, uh, but she was still, she was starting to make a name for herself. I mean, she invited... Chris Rock to the show, for oh, instance. Cool. Yeah, she was friends with Chris even then. Was this um, in the nineties? So I feel like that was when she started. This was um, was in the nineties. Yes, the early nineties. Yes, yes, it was. Um, cast of twenty five. I played Roger Chillingworth. Okay, cool. It was a wonderful role. Wonderful cast. Um, did in a large theater, the Ohio Theater, which is down in Worcester, right across the street from the, the performing garage, part of the. Um, I lived in New York for 10 years, but I'm like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It was it was right across the street from the Worcester Group, which okay. is uh, uh, Willem Dafoe's company. Oh, nice. He's a member of that company. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, yeah. Well, thank you so much for talking thank to us. Thank you. Uh, it was really nice to meet you. And I always have people plug their stuff. Where can people find you on the internet? Oh, um, well, uh, probably the easiest place to find me is on Facebook and Twitter. Um, also, can I just plug the project? I, I have a project. Absolutely. I just worked on uh, the uh, horror anthology series Into the Dark, which is on Hulu. Okay. And we just shot an episode called Dark Box, which okay. will be on in October. Okay, cool. This, so it's, it's a little ways away. Do you play a monster? Uh, I play... You know, it, it's, he's, he's, he's monstrous. Okay. <laughs> fair, fair. <laughs> he's... Uh, He's uh, he's really scary, and but it was it's not uh, there's no prosthetics, so oh, okay. I'm, I'm totally okay. recognizable. Okay, but um, it's it's I don't want to say too much. Okay, I don't fair. Want to ruin the episode, but it's uh, if for those of, for, you, for those of uh, who are listening, uh, in, into the dark is this wonderful um, anthology series that's on Hulu that they do a different uh, episode every month, and it, the theme is from that month. So the theme oh wait! Of, I watched the the Halloween one with the guy in the costume. The same director that did that oh, okay. directed our episode. Yeah, I like yes. that. Yes, yeah, that and was the, cool. And the, one, the one we did is also a Halloween episode too. Oh, nice! Which will be this coming Halloween. Yeah, that was called the uh, the the body, I believe. Some yeah, that's really appropriate for you to do a Halloween episode. <laughs> and yeah, so yeah, so when the, when I got called uh, from my agent that that, that uh, Paul, the director, wanted me to play this role, I was just thrilled. Oh, so, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and tell everyone what. What's your Twitter handle so they can find? Oh, you? it's Camden underscore Toy. Cool. Okay. Yeah, and it, and and Facebook, it's just Camden Toy. There's, okay. There's no other, there's no other Camden Toy on Facebook <laughs> yet. We'll see how long that lasts. You know, I pride myself <laughs> on being the only Ian Carlos Crawford. Wow. 
because it's my dad's everything white and my mom's Puerto Rican, so we got the mix of the two in my name. <laughs> it's nice to have a unique name. It makes it easy to find you, yes, right? Yes, Which I guess can be bad sometimes. <laughs> but thank you for doing this. Thank you. So nice to meet you. It. You too. And I have a special guest with me, a reoccurring character from both Angel and Buffy. Julia Lee. Hello. Hi. So nice to meet you. Thank you for doing this. So would you like to give us your Buffy origin and then maybe your Angel origin as well? Sure, yes. Um, so for Buffy, I uh, auditioned for an episode of Buffy and I did not look that audition. And then um, I got called back in for another role a few weeks later um, and I was on my way and on the way, I got a page on my pager because right. <laughs> it was 1997, I think. <laughs> um, and I had to stop and call on a payback. And my message was, oh, so they've changed the character somewhat. And now instead of being a nerdy-ish goth girl, she's sort of a sneaky, sexy goth girl. I looked down at what I was wearing and I went, well, I'm already on my way. So this is what they get. And so I showed up and uh, they had also changed the material. And so usually you get lucky and there's at least three or four people, if not an hour's worth of people waiting to yeah. have you. Of course I get there and there's no one. They're just waiting on me. So I ask for a couple of minutes just to glance it over. <laughs> and I do and I go in and uh, do the audition. And I'm very confused when they call me just a couple of hours later and say, okay, will you book the job? And I'm thinking, well, there's no callback. Oh, that's because the nice little PA sitting in the corner who is wearing Doc Martin's overalls and a baseball cap was Joss. And I did not know that. So he, he had been kind enough to be, you know, chuckle at a couple of things that I did in the audition. And I thought, oh, good, at least the assistant likes me. That's funny. So that was great because I didn't even call back I just nice. the job and went in um, and I thought that was it you know the character was a small not right. even really a guest star just sort of a you know yeah just a really small part um, in service to the larger whole of the episode and then a year went by and I got a phone call telling me that they'd like me to come back and it was a lovely surprise to say the least and I went back, and then and that kept kind of happening every couple of years, you know? I would call and say, well, we have this idea. Well, we thought we might do this with the character. That's and cool, though. every single time, it was a surprise. What about um, Angel? Was that, like, did, was that different since it was a different show? Did you have to do different things? Well, uh, what we did need to do was talk about how the character had grown and developed, because she went through such a... Enormous, such an enormous character arc. Yeah, yeah. You know, she changes a lot. So, I mean, I needed to change everything from the timber of my voice because, you know, More she's confident. not. Yeah, she's in charge now. She's, you know, running not just her own life, but helping, uh, you know, other people and their lives and making decisions and yeah, being responsible yeah. and this and having to be someone who's an authority figure and who the kids look up to. And, you know, you can't do that if you've got the same sort right, of yeah. Chanterelle. <laughs> She needs to wear, you know, colors that were colors and outfit choices that were more 
Oh gosh, I'm gonna, I guess authority in Vogue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like she's not going to wear soft colors. She's not going to wear pastel. She's not going to wear flowy things, lacy things. It's not Less even. Less goth too. Oh, well, of course, yeah. that's completely gone. <laughs> and then you know, and and you know, the, what and how much attention is this character paying herself in her own wardrobe anyway? Well, living really. She's yeah, putting yeah. all of her time and energy into the kids. So you know, we talked about a lot of different aspects of it. That's cool. That's cool. Um, what was it like filming the last episode of Angel? That's I feel like that's pretty cool that you were the only character, the only character who wasn't a main cast member who went from Buffy to Angel and was also you and Mercedes McNabb are the only ones who are also in the last episode of Angel. What was it like doing that last episode? I mean, it was sad and happy. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was both. It was really bittersweet, um, and I thought it was a really a really lovely way to end the show. Did, did they always know they were going to bring you back, or...? I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't... I really have no idea. I, I think... I think maybe they had an overall idea of, you know, of course, where the show was going, and uh, what kind of tone they wanted to end on. I don't know if they specifically if they had included my character in that plot. Yeah. Or at what point that occurred to them. What, so, what would you say is your favorite episode from either show that you were on? I would say the episode where uh, Buffy is in Los Angeles. I would say it's Los Angeles, but it's Los Angeles. <laughs> and uh, and Lily kind of uh, comes into her own and you know has that because she doesn't really have much interaction at all with right. Buffy in the first episode. Um, you know, and Buffy barely recognizes her, or remembers her when they first meet. Um, but just watching watching this very lost character kind of come into her own and gain some confidence and, you know, start to get the glimmer of a sense of direction in her life. Yeah, I I do love that episode. I feel like it's very iconic. And I I think you did such a good job with your character's progression of like you said, you had to think of the authority, the way the way she would dress. And I feel like those shows did a good job with that, especially with women, showing like, oh, this is where you started, this is where your character ended. Yeah, I I I loved the, it was a homeless shelter, right, that she ran? Yeah, I, I thought that was a great way of bringing it back to, like, how she used to be, just helping these kids that, like, are going through that. Um, yeah, yeah, so, and who, do you have any crazy behind-the-scenes stories of any of the actors or any being on set? Um, I mean... <laughs> I'm trying to think. Um, you know, we did. Uh, I mean, Sarah was great to work with, and she was an absolute consummate professional because she'd been acting for so long at that point. Um, it's funny. Someone who was on my podcast recently, like he covered. He's like a TV critic, and he covers soap operas. And he was like, she grew up under Susan Lucci, so of course she knows her shit. And oh, I was yeah. like, oh, I didn't think about that. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, she did. She did. She knew what she was doing. It was really, you know, to watch her work, it is just, you know, really inspirational. And, you know, she had a lot to do. She didn't yeah. carry that show on her shoulders. Um, but she still found time to have fun, you know, and to be kind of a prankster. And um, she did, uh, we were shooting downtown in Los Angeles, and the... Where where the where all of our, the, the trailers were, you know, and, and the hair and the makeup and the wardrobe and everything was on a, a couple of blocks away. And we had a transportation van to take us back and forth from the sets back to the trailers. And um, she looked at me and she hopped in and the keys were in the ignition and she's like, "Come on!" And I was like, "Oh no, wait, what? No, we, there's a person that's specifically supposed to do that." She's like, "I know, the keys are in the ignition. Let's go." 
go. <laughs> we hijacked it and stole it. <laughs> drove, drove back to the uh, But didn't get arrested, I assume. No. No. <laughs> That's no. so much fun. <laughs> but I thought it was just, she was just a lot of fun. That's cool, that's cool. Um, so, where can everyone find you on the internet? Like, what, what do you have to promote? What do you have social? Well, I am generally not on social media, but... You um, are blessed then, let me tell you. I, Good for you. <laughs> I feel like I need to get a little more into it just because I have a... Young, well, not young, a young-ish daughter. She just turned eleven, and boy, is all that about to right. in the face. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, if anyone is watching, or I will be watching um, Juliet Landau's Undead series. Okay. I just did an episode of that last week. Cool. Nice, um, nice. We did part of it last week, and we have part of it still to shoot. So. Okay. Cool. You can find me there. Cool. And thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. No problem. I'm just enjoy. I'm here live at BBCon with a very special guest, the artist who has worked on the Dark Horse Buffy comics. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hey, everybody out there in podcast land. This is Georges Genty coming at you. I'm the artist on Buffy season eight and nine, Serenity, No Power in the Verse, Leaves on the Wind, and all that good stuff. And thank you for being here. Um, oh, you, thank you for having me. Would you like to give us your Buffy origin? Uh, well, I didn't know the. Sh I knew the show, knew of the show before I worked on the book, but I never really watched it. So okay. my first, I and man, when I tell this story, it makes me sound better than it actually should. Um, <laughs> Joss wanted to go ahead after the show went off the air. A couple of years later, Joss wanted to continue things, and he he himself got in touch with Dark Horse and said, "Would you guys be interested in doing maybe a continuation? Because I've still got these ideas from the show that we never actually produced." Yeah. And of course, Dark Horse was over the moon about that. Yes, yes, we'd love to. Um, so he actually produced a script and came in. And when it came down to finding an artist, Joss was reading something that I'd actually done and said, look uh, to the editor, Scott Alley. I don't know this guy, but I'm looking at his work. And I think this is the guy we want because this, was, this is a guy who I think will do well with the book. And so they went ahead and contacted me, and, and the rest, as they say, is history. So <laughs> that is really cool. Found me, yes. Uh, you sh I feel like that's I would be telling everyone that story. Yes, so. and I, I turned him down the first time. So oh, that makes it even sound better. <laughs> Wait, did you? I did, because I, I didn't believe that it was Joss that really <laughs> was oh, really? doing it, or that he really wanted me. <laughs> you know, when 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 somebody really wants you, they'll pile on the. Uh, you know, they'll just make it seem a lot more enticing. You know? <laughs> oh, no, we've got, you know, uh, I don't know, Sandra Bullock really loves your work and she wants to work with you. And really, is that, well, Sandra Bullock's company, right. this one guy who works there really <laughs> likes your stuff. So it's, I never thought it would be the actual person. And that's how I thought they, Dark Horse was treating me. That's and funny. ultimately, yeah, Joss had to send me an email saying, no, really, it's me. I really <laughs> like your work. I really want to work with you. And uh, that following email was probably the most humble for me saying i'm sorry mr whedon i had no idea please don't fire me before i even got the job you're like i have changed my mind and sure yes i'd love to work with you i'll wash your car i'll paint your house please uh so you had mentioned the other day when we spoke uh tell us a little bit about what what extra effort you have to go into make getting the likenesses because I feel like you do a really good job yeah. and they have very specific looks, clearly. Uh, well, I have a ton of reference. That's that's a, a no-brainer right there. I don't know anybody who can draw celebrities, people who actually exist, let's put it right. that way, and not have reference for them. And I've always said, too, I've, well, I found out while drawing Buffy 
um, on an average, you know, and I've drawn a lot of superhero books too that don't necessarily have facial references of characters. Yeah. That it, it always seemed to take me 30% longer to draw a Buffy page because I had to spend that 30% on likenesses. I, man, I can't tell you how many erased and redrawn and erased images I've done. Uh, you did this for a while. Of, yeah, over 10 years almost. Because the same went into practice with a Serenity as well when I was right, doing that. Yeah. And that was like nine characters I had to do. Yeah, I guess at least with Buffy, they added some new characters, so you kind of... Exactly. I could make them what I wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What has been kind of your favorite moment you got to do in a comic series? My favorite moment really is more the, the... I don't think I'll ever get this back again, but with Buffy, Joss was so into it at the time that not only he was writing, uh, he called everyone who ever wrote for the series and asked them, would you guys like to come back and write you know, some arcs yeah. to these stories? And most of them were able to. A lot, the ones who couldn't had conflicting schedules, right. but the ones who did, and that to me was, I mean, it was like going to school every day because I was working with people who are now really giants in their field. Jane Espenson is on right. Once Upon a Time, and Drew Goddard, of course, is yeah. writing and directing major movies. Um, Stephen DeKnight uh, was on Daredevil, among a bunch of right, other yeah. stuff. So, so many people that I've worked with who were, and you could tell, it's not something like, oh man, when I was doing that script, I never thought this guy would amount to much. Oh yeah. Everybody <laughs> I worked with, when you were reading it, there was a level of professionalism and of love for the medium. More so, because I know for sure they didn't do it for the money, but there was a love for the medium that just elevated everything and in turn elevated my work. You know, that's not surprising at all. Um, whenever we have anyone from the show on that, they speak with it. They speak about the show so lovingly. Yes. And like, I've had Jana Spencer on and she'll, oh, she yeah. has her old script still. Yeah. That yeah, she'll be yeah. like, oh, in my original script it said this. And I'm like, holy crap, you still have that? She was, and the great thing about Jane, and I think most writers should adopt this sort of thing, Jane is without ego. And most writers, you know, they're like, this is my words. Right. They must be said the way they are. And, oh, Jane is so without ego. <laughs> she is more about the learning and getting better. She is never satisfied. And that is such a great uh, idiom for a writer, how you should approach things. Because if you do it that way, I think this is what you get. She is revered in her field. And right. She is a great person to boot. And that's, that's just so well-rounded. And you don't find that in Hollywood a whole lot. Please, I, I write for like websites and you don't even find that and people that write for stuff like that. But everybody, everybody I've ever spoke to who's mentioned Jane has just said it with just love. I mean, yeah, she, yeah, when she's come on, it's just like, oh, I'm hanging out with like a friend. She's just like very friendly, whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah, I feel like the Buffy crowd tends to be that way. Like I haven't encountered anyone who's been like. Yeah, yeah they're mostly close knit and they're, they're a good bunch of people. You know, yeah. at this point, they've known each other some 20 years, so it's That's true, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, like, people like Jane and all of them have been working yeah. consistently since. Yeah. Uh, so, what did, how did you feel about the comics ending? Did you all kind of see, did you all know it was going to happen? Was it abrupt? Uh, we knew, and it was abrupt, yes. Uh, I knew about it, and I was never very far away from Buffy. I did leave, uh, I did season eight and nine and left, uh, and then Rebecca Isaac, who's a great artist, came in and took over. And I left to do Serenity, so I was never necessarily far away. I came back maybe and did some um, fill-ins here and there, and then once it was decided that it was going to end, Joss asked, you know, well, since we started this together, would you? how do you feel about ending this together? So it really was an ending in, 
in both of our minds. Um, and, you know, bittersweet. The idea that eh, you're not going to do this anymore is always kind of sad. And I think, though, it, in a weird way, it, it's time. You, you sort of have to do something and then let the dust settle. And then maybe down the line you right. come back to it. Right. But I, I really do feel this was something Joss, in his heart, really, he just had more stuff to do and more stuff to tell. And at this point, he's gotten to that point. Because really, with season 12, he did bring it full circle with uh, Frey. I did love uh, the his first comic Frey, yeah. Book. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it was a good way to end. Again, a little abrupt because Dark Horse was losing the franchise quicker than they thought. Oh, okay. Um, so we had to make it a shorter story. And if there was any criticism, I'm sure everybody would have wanted it to be a little longer. Yeah, yeah. But as it was, you know, we told the story we wanted to tell and got in and got out. Well, I think even reading it, it's like, oh, you know that they had to, that you all had to do a lot in a little bit Yes, of well, time. there were a lot of answers that, or questions that needed answering. And that, I think, how the story was approached. You know, how do, yeah. how do we get to the ending and make sure we've got this covered, this covered, and that covered? Did they give you any specific references for Frey? Because uh, I really love Frey. Uh, Frey? Well, Frey, of course, has her own series. Yeah. So I just referenced her, her own series. Of course, Frey... Well, you know, it's funny. I, I, I know the artist, um, Carl Moline, and I never did ask him if he referenced her that character. Yeah. Uh, so he may have an actress in mind, but no, I never did ask. Um, I just kind of used his format. Uh, so I was I was just doing the way he drew her. I mean, she translated perfectly. Like, it fit... Yeah. Um... And yeah, I actually, I think Frey, reading Frey was when I, when they announced the comics, I was like, oh good, because Frey was so good, I'm yeah. really looking forward to, because yeah, really you was. know, sometimes when they continue from a show or from a movie, it's, yeah. eh. And it's unheard of that a comic book will influence a TV show, and you yes. know, of course, the sigh is where we first see in Frey, Which the is comic so books. cool. Yeah. I remember, uh. I remember gasping when I first saw the scythe in uh, season seven. I was like, yeah, oh, shit, oh, I'm I know sure what that everybody, is. <laughs> yeah, everybody who was into comics and saw that for the first time going, I can't believe it. Look, it's actually there. <laughs> um, so how much did you, how much research did you have to do since you weren't too familiar with the show before you started? You, like, uh, back the in the day, 2007, I think is when I started. Um, Dark Horse was very nice to send me uh, DVDs for season six and seven. Okay. And they basically said, you know, you, there's seven seasons, but you don't have to watch all. And, you know, the six and seven are pretty much where we're going to be jumping off. Yeah. And really, all Joss wanted to do was get across the uh, whole the Slayers and the potentials and how all that came about and that the world now is populated yeah. with a, a bunch of Slayers. And we were going to carry the story from there. And the fact that Sunnydale was gone and all that. So, because when we encountered them, yeah. we were all in different parts of the world. So. Yeah. So, have you since, have you since watched everything? I did. Now, I was only required necessarily to watch 6 and 7, but yeah. as a fan, which I quickly became of, <laughs> I went back and got 1 through 5 because I was like, damn, this is really good. <laughs> and I just need to watch more. And I'm glad I did because there's so much there that I think never really leaves you. It's, it's such a good TV show that you don't, you know, whatever your TV show of choice is, right. whether it be... Uh, MASH or Cheers or, you know, Moonlighting or anything you're really into, I always think there's a little bit of it that stays with you. And with Buffy, that definitely is the case. If you had more time, what do you think is something that could have been done at, at least at the end? Well, we could have definitely drawn out a lot of their relationships and how, where they will probably end up. Because as it is, 
there's just really just a dialogue of saying, well, Spike and Buffy aren't together anymore. Yeah. And, you know, there was a little thing there. And then, well, Angel's like, I think I'll hang around a little bit. You know, they, they really could have brought that out a little more. And the fact that we learn, finally, what vocation Buffy does go right. into, that could have been a little bit more of a, yeah, I've been giving this a lot of thought, and uh, I think I want to go into law enforcement. That would be cool. You know, that's funny. I don't know if you've ever seen the meme of, like, Twitter, people say, like, no cops at Pride, just, and they'll fill in a blank. On uh, our Twitter, I put no cops at Pride, just Buffy Summers, and like four people <laughs> replied with ahem, and it was a panel of her. Were they, uh, why, were they saying no cops at Pride, just it's like, CO? It's like, it's like a meme on Twitter, people say no cops at Pride, just, and then they'll say a character. Oh, I love. thought it was a word you couldn't say. No, 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 no. <laughs> like, no cops, just. No, no, no. <laughs> I don't know what your PG, if um, you think it's PG or not. No. <laughs> oh, no cops, just cops. <laughs> yeah. I got you. <laughs> so I put Buffy Summers, and like a bunch of people replied with that panel of her. And I was like, oh, really? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is, you know, logical. And that's what her guidance counselor told her. Yeah, so full that circle. probably be suited for. Yeah. Thank you so much for doing this. It was oh, great talking you. to you. Anytime. Tell everyone where they can find you and your stuff. I am on the website. I've got Kaba Lounge, which is K-A-B-A-L-O-U-N-G.com. And I am currently doing a Kickstarter, which I would love if everyone could help and go to. Uh, it's at the website, and it'll give you a link to it. But I'm doing a sketchbook that's currently live at the moment that I would love support with. Cool, 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 cool. And I'll definitely tweet that to our followers. Thank you. Thanks a lot. I'm Ian Carlos Crawford, and today I am joined by a very special guest, Clem himself. Hello, everyone. <laughs> so, James. Yes. Would you like to tell us your Buffy origin? Sure, I would love to tell you my Buffy origin. <laughs> um, so, I play a character called Clem the Loose Skin Demon in season six and seven. And uh, I was actually a huge fan of Buffy. When I moved oh, nice. to, yeah, when I moved to LA, uh, Buffy was in its third season. And it was one of the shows, it was like in the top five shows I wanted to work on most when I got to LA. And as it turns out, it was the only one of those shows that I ended up working on. Um, so I, odds aren't bad, though. No, it's not too bad. Not too bad, considering. I ended up doing a, a casting workshop with Lonnie Hammerman, who is a casting associate for the show. And um, she thought I was funny. And she ended up bringing me right into producers for this character that was just in the script called A Loose Skin Demon. <laughs> he didn't have a name or anything. And I kind of went in, and having been a fan of the show, uh, I wanted to play it for as many laughs as I could try to yeah. get. I had some kind of funny lines. I was like, I'm just going to try to make him laugh. Uh, be myself. I'm not going to do any weird voices or anything. I'm just going to go be funny. And they we responded really well, and I ended up getting the part. Nice. And uh, that season was a particularly dark season. Right. And I think that the, the scene played really well um, comedically, and they just kept calling me back. I was only supposed to be on one episode. Oh, really? Yeah. And they just kept calling me back, and I, so I got very lucky. Nice. Nice. Here, um, here we are 19 years later. <laughs> Not bad. Not bad. What you said is important, I feel like, about Clem, having him there that season as, like, the character that's not severely depressed and going yeah, through something exactly. terrible. <laughs> the guy who's there, just kind of happy to hang out. Yeah. Maybe it's Dawn. Yeah. <laughs> when they wrapped season six, did they tell you you were coming back? No, seven? I had no idea. I, I, They had actually wanted me back for the first episode of season seven. And that got changed. And then I didn't come back till the middle of the season. I yeah. was like, damn it, what did I do wrong? <laughs> uh, and then... 
episode, the, the last episode I did, they, it was really kind of them to kind of give this silly little character a goodbye. But I thought, again, it was because it's, it was right after Buffy's kicked out of her house. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, shit's going down. Right. And then it's like, oh, there's Glenn. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, I always say it's weird Buffy focused more on kind of if you were a demon, you were bad. And I feel like Clem was one of those characters that totally... Yeah, he was really... I think it was a, a matching of, um, you know, after that first episode, um, a couple of the writers, I ended up chatting with a couple of the writers, and they were kind of like, you're just, you're nice and you're funny, so we're just going to write Clem to be nice and funny. And it just so happened that it ended up playing really well. Nice, yeah. nice. <laughs> so what would you say would be your favorite moment for Clem? Gosh, it's so hard. There's so many. Um, I love the bit in Spike's Crypt where... Clem has the line of like, hey, she's a sweet girl, Spike, but woo, issues. <laughs> I love that line. I think that line's hysterical. Um, and there was a lot more in that scene that ended up getting cut out, but there was a, real, a lot of really funny bits because Spike's just being all morose and Clem's like, hey, you want some chicken wings? Let's watch Knight Rider. <laughs> I mean, that season everyone's, except I yeah. feel like your character yeah. is the only one that wasn't morose. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And that's funny that they, yeah, that is, the goodbye I thought was really cute. I, I love that scene because it was one of the few times that I actually got to be just with um, Sarah. Yeah. And it was a nice, just little goodbye. Nice, nice. Uh, did you, I'm sure you know what happens in the comics. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah how yeah. do you feel about that? I'm fine with that. I just think it's cool that they kept writing him into <laughs> stuff. I, I always feel that uh, if you and Mercedes had gotten to actually be on screen together. Would that really would have been a lot of fun. I love Mercedes. She's a sweetheart. I've gotten to know her well over the years doing yeah. conventions and stuff, and we would have had a lot of fun in scenes together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I always... Because I, you know, the comics, they're different, and I just... But I really liked that. I, yeah. I thought that was a really good progression for both characters. Yeah, it was kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah, what would be... What, what would be your favorite, like, behind-the-scenes moment? Um, favorite behind-the-scenes moment was probably uh, after the episode Life Serial Wrapped, which was my second episode and the first time I got to work for all eight days. Um, that was, was shot right around Christmas time. So there was a Christmas party right after we wrapped that day, and Allison Hannigan loved Clem's ears. She was constantly coming <laughs> over to play with the ears because they were made out of silicone and were very squishy. Okay. So what the makeup guys did was they, at, when I got wrapped and I got out of the makeup, they took the ears and um, made the edges all jagged and coated it in fake blood and put it in a box for her to open at the Christmas party. <laughs> so that was my favorite moment, was watching her open this box with an ear, bloody ear in it. That's funny. Yeah. Um, all right, well, thank you so much You're for You're welcome. This. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Uh, tell everyone where they can find you. Um, gosh, where can they find me? I am on Twitter and Instagram at the James Leary. so T-H-E James Leary. Uh, I believe my Facebook is the same. Um, I live in Austin, Texas now. I don't really do much acting anymore. I'm a full-time writer. Okay, cool. Um, so yeah, come come say hi on Instagram and Twitter. Cool. All right. Thanks a lot. Thank you. We are here live at WhedonCon with Kathy Newman herself. Would you like to introduce yourself? Oh, hello. Uh, this is Dagny Kerr, a.k.a. Kathy, the... The annoying, share-loving demon <laughs> roommate from Buffy. Um, would you like to give us your Buffy origin? Sure. Well, let's see. Um, and remind me again what my origin I always feel like that's like my inner, like, wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> what was like my origin? Like, how, how did you how come was I here? Born? That's what I was thinking of, origin. Like, where am I from? 
like? What was your first audition like? What when you got the part? Oh, okay. So um, yeah, my experience was a, was a little bit odd in in a good way. It was the easy, still to this date in in all of my years of acting, which I've been acting my whole life. It was the easiest audition I've ever had in my entire life. Oh, really? I literally walked in. Um, there was nobody there auditioning except me, <laughs> which I don't know if I just came in an off hour, but I like you like to feel that it was, oh, right. they just want me for the role. Um, I actually was fairly new out here to Los Angeles, but uh, so yeah, I, I, I remember I walked in. It was I just had to do that first scene um, where we are uh, introducing, you know, I introduced myself and I put up the share poster, or the Celine Dion poster. It was just that one scene I had to do. I thought that the character was just that one scene. I didn't okay. realize it was actually a big yeah, role. Yeah. Um, walked in, it was the casting person. I believe she might have put me on tape, but I don't really remember. And then Joss was sitting there, and I didn't know who he was. He just seemed like this very quiet, nice, unassuming man. I thought maybe he was her assistant. Because <laughs> he just had like, he has a really like um, low profile. He doesn't yeah. have like a big ego. It's right, like a yeah. nice energy. We did the scene once, and that was it. And I left. I, there was no callback. There was no nothing, uh, which is really unusual. Yeah. And then I remember they called. I think it was later that night and said, "Hey, you know, you booked that job." And I'm like, "Oh, cool." And and then there, I remember they sent me the script, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, there's a lot to do. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just that one scene." I was like, "It's like a character, like a full-on thing." And then. Um, and then I remember thinking, like, oh my gosh, they want me to fight and they want me to do all this stuff, which I also thought was funny that they didn't ask any of that beforehand. Like, yeah. wouldn't you want to know, like, right. hey, is your, does your right <laughs> arm work? Like, can you can you act like you're hitting someone? Um, Had you done any so, fighting like that before? I know. I no. mean, just a couple bar fights that I've been in. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? If I really do you like how I casually was like, oh, yeah, of oh course, your bar fights. Yeah. I, hate a, you know, I had a bottle of vodka. I threw it over this girl's head one time. No, no. Um, no, I had a, I have a dance background, so I'm coordinated. But okay. dancing is nothing like fighting. Mm -hmm. In fact, I remember when I was supposed to act like I was smacking her and the... Um, the coordinator, you know, you didn't get rehearsal, they just like put you on the spot. Okay. I was like, okay, so, you know, she's coming at you and you smack her. And they're like, it looks like you're doing ballet. I was like, well, I am doing ballet. Like, they're like, it looks too pretty. I'm like, it's actually really hard to make it look like the force yeah. that you're supposed to actually yeah. do it. It's actually, it's very, very, very difficult. But um, no, they didn't ask any of that. They just like, you got and the now part. you're fighting. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was pretty intense, too. They're like, okay, now you're, she threw, she throws you, you, you fly back on the bed. I mean, it was, it was a lot. Yeah, yeah. They, they trust, uh, they trust you with a lot of things <laughs> without even asking, which um, hasn't been my experience after that. So I don't know, cool. maybe it was just something about Joss and his, he seems to have a knack for just recognizing something that, that yeah. is kind of working and not really, just, I don't know if he just, it just because he has a good intuition about yeah. Things. Well, it's so. funny that you said that because a lot of people that I've interviewed from the show have said the same thing that they didn't realize it was Joss who was yeah. there. Like Julia Lee said, well, at least I, she thought she made the intern laugh, but it was him that laughed. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So that's cool that he's like super low key about oh, that. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's got a real um, unassuming, not just doesn't have a big ego and that doesn't kind of fill up the yeah. room, you know. Um, so. You said that then they gave you the script. Originally, it was only one line, like the one scene. Well, I guess it was more than that the whole time, okay. but they didn't. Um, it was still considered a, like a guest star, so 
but I didn't realize it was multiple episodes. Okay. And usually when you guest star as well, um, you're usually not the whole entire episode. There's usually, it, like, yeah. meaning that the whole storyline right, right, right. includes more people than you. So this was an unusual situation to have like such a big thing where all, that one episode where everything went down could have been multiple episodes. Right, yeah. Yeah, it was a lot crammed in one, so... Um, yeah, usually when you read your script and you're a guest star, you're kind of flipping through the other scenes to get to your stuff, and you're like, oh my gosh, wait, I'm on, wait, I'm on this one too. This is, this is cool. Yeah, I. it's funny. When we covered those episodes on the podcast, yeah. we all kind of agreed. We were like, Kathy, would have, it would have been funny if that reveal, like you had been her roommate all season. I would have, like, yes, <laughs> totally. Looking back at that too, um, Oh, yeah, I mean, I get you know, obviously they have their seasons plotted out right. so far in advance of where they're going to go for their stories. But I agree, you could have probably had Kathy on longer, and then that grown everything yes. that happened in that one episode, just a little thing little yes. by little, where <laughs> like the season finale culminated in just this all out brawl, which would have been awesome. But uh, kudos to Marty Knoxon who wrote that episode, who's gone on obviously to do yeah. amazing things. Like a million of them. She wrote that episode, and it was so detailed and so funny and. I remember even reading the script, and she she says about the flossing. She said Kathy intently dejuncts her teeth. That's how she described All the right. flossing. So <laughs> it was like everything was on the page. When yeah. you read that, you're like, okay, intently dejuncting your teeth gives you a very specific like way that you're gonna floss as that character. You know, which maybe you as an actor might have come up with that anyway. But to to have that. Right. in gave you such great insight to, yeah. to who she was. That's cool. That's Very cool. cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It helps when the writing's good. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine, yeah. So what was it like with the prosthetics? The prosthetics was a little rough. Um, that's the first time I've ever done anything okay. like that before. Um, and hopefully the last. Um, yeah, actually, you know, the, the actual applying of it wasn't as difficult for me as the, um, I guess it's like the cast, when they have to make the cast of your face. Oh, right, because you have to just, like, be still, right? Yeah, you, you, they, it's very claustrophobic, so you're, and they do ask you, like, are you, you think you'll be okay? Yeah, and, yeah. And I was like, oh, I don't know, we'll see. And they just put straws, you know, in your nose, because you can't right. breathe through your mouth. and um because they had to get that creepy uh, cast that when she peels my face off, right. it's like me. Yeah. Like, so they had to, to get that. <laughs> um, the most difficult part of it for me was the contacts. Okay. So I've never worn contacts. And they were really thick. They, like, encompassed your whole eye. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. And they were, I remember them being, like, they, they were just really uncomfortable. Yeah. And that particular day, we were shooting that big sequence. Um, we were shooting it all day, but they, I think I'd had them in maybe starting at like let's say 10 a.m. and we didn't even get to my scene until almost like one o'clock in the morning oh jeez! and they didn't want to take the contacts out because they were like we don't know we might be jumping around back to right. that scene so it's too much to just taking these in and out so I had like a, a man that would walk around and just put drops in my eyes for me okay. just to keep them lubricated but I do remember we were shooting that fight scene um where uh at the very end when my dad comes to try yeah. to get me and I get so um and I remember I blinked, and they got stuck up in my, on top of my, <laughs> underneath there. And then the guy that was like the eye care person was like, you guys cannot keep dagging anymore. we got to yeah. take her out of these contacts. So the, that was, yeah, that was the worst part were the, the contacts for me. Right. I could yeah. see that not being yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, So what would you say would be your favorite moment that you had on, the, like your favorite, either Kathy as a character getting to play her, or favorite just maybe behind the scenes, whatever. Oh. Yeah, 
you know, it, because it was a unique experience to have um, to, to have a, a short-lived role that you got to do so many things yeah. in that one role. Like, you usually don't get to like wear prosthetics, fight, um, you know, <laughs> be funny, like be on location. Like, it, there was so much to it. Um, so it was definitely once in a lifetime experience. Um, gosh, let's see. I really enjoyed shooting the scene with Sarah where I was ironing and had to keep putting the um, music on, to okay. share music. I enjoyed that scene a lot because I think she, I could tell she was enjoying it too. <laughs> like the, the, the like like annoyance of like and watching me crease my jeans. I remember it was just really fun like ironing I'm, ironing the jeans. I was like, this is so funny. Like someone that irons their jeans and I. I do remember even being in that moment, so many things coming to me about the character as I was doing yeah. it, like, yeah, oh my god, this person's nuts, like, she's ironing jeans, and, and she writes things down, and it, there was just so many fun specifics uh, cool. about it, and oh, I really love the scene when she comes in and I kick the, she kicks my rug before we start to fight, mm -hmm. so she, she kicks the rug, and then I slap her, like, I remember I loved shooting that scene, it was, right. it was very funny. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Let oh, everyone so know welcome. where they can find you or anything you have oh, to promote. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. In fact, if you're a local Los Angeles person, um, I am doing a really, really fun show that just opened um, Friday night as okay. part of the Hollywood Fringe Festival. Cool, cool. Um, we are, it's called Earth to Karen. It is running for six shows in June, and this is a really fun one. It is about, do you remember the story about 10 years ago about the astronaut that wore the diaper and drove cross-country to kidnap another astronaut that was dating her? I, I do not. Don't? <laughs> no. Oh, my gosh. It's a real story. So there's, there's a very accomplished woman. She's an astronaut in NASA, and she had a little psychotic break, and she drove cross-country to kidnap another astronaut that was dating her ex-boyfriend. And um, she, I don't know what she was going to do to her, but she, and she wore a diaper. I can't believe I didn't hear about the story. Oh my God, I can't believe so. You Google diaper lady, astronaut. Come up. Yeah. There's no. a movie coming out about her next year with Natalie Portman. Oh, cool. But um, we have a musical version of it. Okay. And it's really, really fun. So cool. It's, part of, it's playing at the Broadwater stage, and you can go to Hollywood Fringe Festival. Um, dot org, and you can put in Earth to Karen, or you can put in my name, Dagny Kerr, cool. and find that. And um, you can find me on Facebook. I'm Dagny Kerr official. Instagram, Dagny Kerr, and all that info. And do you have Twitter? You know, I do, but I'm really lame at it. <laughs> Once fair. you go on it, you're like, oh, she hasn't tweeted since 2009. Cool. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm a little lame with Twitter, okay. but but I am on there. Okay. All right. Cool. Well, thank you so much. You're so welcome. Welcome to SlayerFest 98. I'm your host, Ian Carlos Crawford. We're here live at WhedonCon, and I'm speaking with a very special guest who has played not one, but two roles in the Buffyverse. Hello, Ian. My name is Jonathan Woodward. Hello. So, tell us about Buffy. Tell us about how that went. Well, getting into that was funny. Um, I was not really entirely fay with Buffy. Like I didn't know it. I didn't have it in my blood. I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't dialed in. And I had just moved to LA, and I it was sort of all new. And I was trying to like get into the swing of things, and uh, and just sort of loosen up and stop being quite so New Yorky about life, because uh, at that time, all of us, you know, who really thought very highly of ourselves, we were in New York, and we just had these 
And then we would drift I over I lived in New York for 10 years, right? so I understand. Yes. And then you get over here and you're like, everybody doesn't care about you yeah. and your feelings. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Those feelings have got to go. And you're like, but no, but they're so important. <laughs> uh, so that it was in the process of doing that that I was like, I, I remember I, I wore this cowboy hat. And of course, the character of Holden was no was no cowboy hat right. type. <laughs> but it was like one of those things, like it was um, it was one of those things that you sometimes do in an audition to just like loosen up, forget yourself, okay. relax, have fun, and really sort of access a kind of uh, playfulness that you don't always get to because there's so much on the line. Right, it's right. an audition. You're just trying to impress people. Right. You're trying to like remember if there's something coming out of your nose <laughs> are they thinking did i sweat through this shirt are they looking at that and then i was just i'll give them i'll give them a hat i would do all sorts of things to try and you know mess with my own head during auditions i would wear um uh, no underwear i would wear women's <laughs> underwear i would wear like anything so that i had like a secret you are giving us this i love it <laughs> you saw bull durham right yes bull durham it's the same thing you just sort of like something that just sort of gets gets your conscious mind like really drawn somewhere else so your okay. reptilian brain can really take over you can do the instinctive work that you want to and the hat in that instance was doing it for me i was like i'm a guy with a hat <laughs> i'm not a hat person although my but i had that hat and the director um he he liked the spirit he liked the energy and he didn't want anything to do with that hat and the hat was a bad choice but <laughs> it was definitely the energy that it brought to and you know what i've talked to claire about about the times that she did glory and um she says something that i always find interesting and she says like uh, no i can't give it away from her that's her story to tell she might have already told it on the podcast it's very she possible might have. <laughs> looking back at that energy and that sort of like expansiveness the unknowingness the sheer joy because that's one of the things that he writes in there yeah. you can have so much joy in there if you get the right character and you get the right character you can just be like just rip it out and <laughs> let it go and that was one of those roles you could go all the way into it and just you could build any backstory you wanted you wrote a bunch of it and it was just so much fun cool nice i think it's cool that like you got to be a one-off character in i think one of the best season seven episodes i i'm sure you hear that often uh, I, I hear it i don't believe it <laughs> no it is totally is and then tell us how angel came about did they just like you and say, hey, we have a character for you? Did you audition? As like... No. Um, Firefly happened first. Okay, okay. So uh, they were doing Firefly, and it was... It, they just... They, they wrote this thing in for me, and um, it was the... It was... Remains. Like, the single most exciting thing that ever happened to me is that okay. I was cast before there was a script. Oh, that is cool. And, you know, they are just sort of... And I... I never had that relationship. And we weren't close. Like, Joss and I... We might have exchanged like a few words here yeah, and there, but yeah, he was yeah. also like, you know, he's like this guy, he's this Joss, and I didn't <laughs> yeah. know how to how to chum around with him because he was too he was too busy being Joss, and right. like you can feel the miracle once you get around. Doing him. two, three shows at that point at once, yeah. So, um, you know, they were like, okay, well, here's this and here's that, and then the producer um, Kelly he drove me aside one day after uh, one day of shooting, and he said. Listen, son, I need you to do me a favor. I want you to go home, enjoy yourself, have a night off, and when you wake up tomorrow, I need you to shave yourself head to toe. 
<laughs> All right. <laughs> like, you got it. Like, had to tell me? It's like, yep, I need everywhere shaved. Because they had the butt double coming in and they couldn't risk any errant hair. So, so then there was this, like, Buffy was one thing, but it was just her and me. Yeah, right? yeah. It was just her and me in a graveyard. There was lots of funny times that she'll never remember and which are seared into my memory. But then, then I stepped into this, like, Family, which is like this firefly microcosm. Yeah, just, yeah. You know, it's a little singularity. It's glowing. It's so perfect and brilliant and beautiful. And uh, and then in the middle of that episode, they got canceled. So then it was a sad family. And I remember really not, you know, like I would, I didn't even know how to talk to anybody because right. I felt it's like when you go to somebody's house for Thanksgiving, and while you're there, their grandmother dies. God. <laughs> and. Nobody's going to send you home, but right. you're sort of like, I wish I could leave you to your misery right now. But we shot, the, we did the thing, and it was it was wonderful. And I think then, in the caught up in an all of the emotion, then they, you know, like everybody in, you know, in Firefly, we all, Josh just wanted to get us out there, and um, he put me into into the longer role in Angel, and it was my it was the first recurring role that I ever had. It's it was similarly amazing, and and it was just. You know, he told me one time when I thanked him at the 100th anniversary of Angel, I was like, you're amazing. And I just wanted to say thank you. Yeah. And he said, well, I didn't do it because I liked it. <laughs> so like, that was like, not what I was expecting to hear. It was a little bit too blunt, but it was such a compliment. And, you know, it wasn't about some sort of deep affection for me. He wanted to make sure I did okay. Like, it was about the work and it was about... Um, loving how he wrote and just wanting to spend all my time saying his words. Yeah. That's cool, though. That's really fucking flattering, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see it at the time. Yeah. I was just, I mean, because he's, he's smarter than most humans. And so, you know, what he was really, you know, he was, he was definitely uh, showing some love. And cool. I would have liked, you know, there were some actors that got very close to him, and I would have loved to know him better because mm. he's an interesting, interesting man. Yeah. But I got, um, I just got to, you know, wander into the, into the orbit for a little while and change my life forever. Cool. That's awesome. What would you say is your favorite from Buffy and Angel? What would be your favorite, like, scene that you did? From Buffy and Angel? I like conversations with dead people a lot. It was one long scene. It was broken up into some parts. Okay. But... You know, it was it was written so that it would go from meaningful conversation to kung fu, right? And meaningful conversation to kung fu, and guest stars never get to stretch out and like have a conversation. That was definitely my favorite thing ever. Yeah. I mean, listen, that episode I think is the best episode of season seven. One of my favorite episodes of the show. I think they did such a good job with all of you having your scenes exist. Like you could watch it; those scenes just like. You and you and Sarah scenes together yeah. could watch, you know, however long it would be. They could they're like viewable that way. Yeah, and that's so cool that you got to be a part of that. Yeah. And in Buffy, you were a villain, and then in Angel, did they did they make you? Were there any differences they tried to make since it was so soon after you had just played a character with a human face that was like clearly you, or not really? No. No. The characters were written differently. Yeah. And. It was tremendous freedom. Like, there was never any question of, like, here, what I want you to make this guy be like is this. Yeah. They just sort of sent me away. And, of course, it's the same actor. 
So when I go into my toolbox, I've got a couple of things, and they'll always come out a similar way. But, you know, Holden Webster was one guy, Tracy was another guy, and Knox was another guy. And they didn't, they didn't do that, and that was very decent of them. Cool, nice. Do you ever get any uh, shit from fans being the one that helped kill Fred? Oh no, I killed her myself. I didn't help. Nobody helped me. Okay, fair, yes. <laughs> I was the Koyana Scotsy, the Kwisatz Haderach, what, what was it called again? The, I don't even remember. You don't even remember? It was the... Um, I have a Buffy podcast, I don't even remember. <laughs> so there's the tomb and the... There's gotta be a... Po Does anybody out here remember the show Angel? <laughs> What's it called again? The Kyan Scotsy, the the Kizot's Hot Rock. He the, does that releases Illyria. The I am no, I am her minion. I'm the I'm the the the, the cement mixer. I'm the chemo. All right, carry that. Let's go find out. We're gonna go to this puppy. <laughs> we can't move. Of course we can. Oh God. She did a commission for Illyria, so she's seen those episodes a lot recently. So okay. she would have it if you can find it. All right. So all right, all right. Here's a pop quiz for you. A little <laughs> Let's bit do of it. it. Did you watch the show Angel? Yes. Do you remember my character? Yes. Do you remember what I was called? <laughs> yeah, me neither. Okay. All right, John, you won't be able to help us, but it's good to see you again. Why can't I help Are you ready? Here's the Angel pop quiz. The character I played. Do you remember the name of the character I played? See, he's a brown coder. It's, it's not. It's not fair. No, no, no. I'm trying to Google it on my phone, but the signal's not great in here. It's like the the the, okay. the character's name was Knox, but the the, the the minion. We're gonna move on. Oh wait, here's um here's Deadpool Kaylee. Deadpool Kaylee. Hey George's. George's George's might know. George's might know. George's, you remember, uh, did you ever Does see... Does this feel familiar to you, buddy? Oh, yeah. It's, okay, good. It's a little... Small? Light. Oh. Um, Jesus you Christ. <laughs> happen to know the name of the character that I was on, Angel? Because uh, he was a high schooler from Buffy's high school. No, that's Buffy. This is Angel. Oh, uh, no, I don't. But I know he was uh, helping Fred. Yes, I was helping Fred. The character's name is Knox, but he had, like, a designation... He was like, it began with a cuss sound. He had a like a, an arcane name that was the title of his minion ring. Because they, they called him by his last name, right? Well, they called Knox Knox, but his he was like the Quizox Hatterack, or... Oh, the demon that inhabited him? No, it was like the, the, the... It's sort of like, this is my aide de camp, or this is my this is my major domo. Oh, it was I something like that. that. Trivia. All right, moving on. It's good to see you again, George's Chanty. Wow. Come by his table I'm anytime. Sorry, I couldn't do more for you, John. You got it? Quahazan. It's like it's X. Quahazan. Yes. Oh. It's the Quahazan. Look, we found it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Introduce Welcome. yourself. I'm Jonathan. I'm Edmund. Edmund, it's good to meet you. It's good to meet you, too. I saw your panel, or the Angel 20th anniversary. Oh, great. You, you have an too. editor, right? Yeah, it's okay. fine. All right. Um, are we going to go back to my table now? Yeah, Ian, we're going to head back to your table. This great, has been great, great. a mobile version of... Yes, Slayer Fest 98. Slayer Fest, why 98? Uh, that's from Buffy, Jonathan. Yes, Fest. that was also... How'd it go? It's the... Uh, the Quahazan. Um, I think I'm your wife now, Jonathan, after I, all that. I think we are. <laughs> we are joined at the hip, which I love. I love mobile uh, Slayer Fest 98. <laughs> Yeah, is there anything else you'd like to talk about? No, man, that's a wrap. We did good. Great. We found it. It was the Quahazan. 
tell everyone where they can find you on the internet. Oh, um, let's see. I um, I, um, I, I, I don't often open up Facebook, but I, uh, I like to hear from everybody. I am on Twitter at VJ Woodward, and I'm on Instagram at VJ Woodward. And you can go to VJWoodward.com. And uh, I do respond to all the email, though. All right, cool. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, it brother. Up top. A pleasure.